family, welcome to Church at Home. And if this is your first time with us today, I'm Pastor Kurt, lead pastor here at North County, and a special welcome to Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this weekend's the weekend that we remember those men and women who gave their lives, sacrificed their lives, and also their families who um, went through tremendous change because of the losses that they had so that we could have freedom. You know, sadly today, even, even though we celebrate this freedom, we're not free to assemble together, and my heart aches with yours to get to that day when we get to fill this room again uh, with you and worship Jesus all together again. We're excited about that. We want that to happen. Our whole staff does. You know, Friday when President Trump gave his speech, we were so excited for about an hour or two, and then in a little while we were made to understand that we would still need to go through the phases of reentry. And so, again, this morning we meet in our homes Disappointed, but not defeated. Why? Well, because God is good and God is with us and he is enough for us. And we count our blessings this morning. We focus on what we have. We don't just focus on what we don't have. And so our prayers continue to go out to you. You need to know your staff is praying for you faithfully. And particularly today, I'm reminded to pray for uh, business people who have still not yet been able to open or open fully people that have not been able to go back to work. On my way to work this morning, I bypassed David Linder, who was out on a walk, and he he's the director of Cedar Springs Camp, and they've been closed, and they've lost literally a, a year of income. And so there's some tough stuff happening, and my heart goes out to you, and I want to see every one of you back in business and doing what you love to do. So I want to take a moment and just pray for you this morning. I just feel led to do that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this morning we lift up our whole church and your church around the world as they continue to struggle through this time. But Lord, we want to lift up our business people this morning. God, particularly those that have not been able to reopen or reopen fully, we pray, God, that you would sustain them. God, we pray that you would open the doors for them. God, we pray for Cedar Springs Camp that you continue to to prolong them so that they can come back into doing ministry again and be a blessing to the church. And God, all those that are represented by those that I just mentioned. Lord, we lift them up to you. And we know that you're enough, but God, we just pray that you would be their provision in this time. And Lord, we pray that their doors would get to open soon and that soon people would get to go back to work. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I want to remind you today that Americans have not really agreed with every war that we have fought. And yet we have fought. And we remember the sacrifices of some of those wars today. And in a similar way, we may not fully agree with everything our governor is doing or the way he's done it or the pace at which uh, we're reopening. Some of you may think he's going too fast. Uh, Some of you may think that he's going at a snail's pace. I tend to be one of the snaily thinkers. Um, So we got to remember, though, that, that thousands of people are still living in fear over this virus. And so as a church, how do we respond? How do we respond to the directives that we may or we may not agree with? 
this morning, even as we remember the lives that were given to protect our freedom, let me remind you of the biblical reasons why we would sacrifice our rights, like these men and women who gave their very lives. Sometimes we have to sacrifice our rights for the sake of others. So let's just review that this morning as we, as we think about a biblical response to what we're going through. First of all, God tells us to honor our authorities. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, uh, 13 and 17, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Let's remember that. Let's love each other through this. Fear God and respect the king. So it says to respect, not necessarily agree. We don't have to agree with everything that's happening, but we do respect the office. And then Paul writes in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. I'd say that that's pretty clear. So first of all, we honor those who are in authority. Secondly, uh, there's hundreds of thousands of people who still live in fear of this virus. And they're watching us. They're watching the church. Trust me, they know what we're doing. And how we respond to them, to the lost, or to even people in the church that live in fear, how we respond to them says we care or says we don't care. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 that we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So this is a unique time when our very right to assemble can be perceived by some to cause harm to others. Whether true or false, this can be the perception. So our rights should not become an obstacle to people seeing and receiving Christ's love. We're to be a bridge, not a barrier for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So let me remind you, as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers in the word of God, the gospel is the motivation for all we do. We want to be a blessing, not a curse. And our right to assemble, no matter how important it is, is tiny compared to the world's need to hear about the gospel and to see us as loving. And that's the third thing I just want to present to you today, is that we are to focus on love. This time that we find ourselves in right now is our opportunity to shine if we will respond in love. Jesus said in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Can you say all with me this morning? Yeah, all. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in a sense, you're only loving God as well as you're loving your neighbor. So when your neighbor, what your neighbor perceives as loving is what they believe is loving. So you may not agree with your neighbor, but we must still love our neighbor. That's what we're called to. Don't focus on going to church. Rather be the church. You know, I have given this a lot of thought because, like I said, I long to be back here with you. 
I long for it. I ache for it. But instead of focusing on my rights, how about giving God the opportunity to transform us? Because I think that's what God wants to do. Whenever there's a time of pressure, God wants to transform us individually, but also as a church body. And I believe that God is transforming his church. And God's agenda for transformation is always love. So is there value in meeting together and filling this worship center where we are this morning? Is there value in that, in worshiping Jesus all together in one place, having church together? Of course there is. And we all want that. But is that the highest value? No, I believe the highest value is not what the world would perceive as our arrogance and not caring about them, but what the world would see as love. That's what Jesus has called us to as a body of Christ. Now, are we going to compromise and sin for that to be achieved? Of course not. Of course not. But we are going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to love the best we can through this time. We will open again. These doors will be open one day. We will assemble again to worship Jesus together. It'll be glorious. It'll be wonderful. But right now, in the meantime, we are called to love and do whatever it takes for the church to be seen by the world as loving and for the gospel to be seen as action, not just words. And God is transforming us through community at this time. And if I could give you one thing to think about this morning, it would be this word community. This is what God is calling us to in this time where we struggle. And that is to build community together. And I know it sounds strange. Because at some level, we'd be saying, well, we can't even gather. How can we build community? We can still build community. And many of you are. Many of you are building community like crazy. But that's what God is up to. He's building our homes parents with children, children with children and parents. I'm getting great reports of families being closer together than ever. And he's building our community. Many of you have chosen to still get together with friends under the radar. You're out there meeting with buddies and you're having coffee or tea and you're sharing your hearts with one another. I know you're doing that, you know. And so God is using that time to connect you with people like never before. But many of you are meeting in Zoom groups. Uh, very soon again, you'll be able to, move, to meet in your own homes, and we're waiting for that, looking forward to that. But why would I encourage you to get together and to meet in a group, even if it's on Zoom or on the Internet? Because meeting together, sharing God's Word together, sharing your story with one another and where you're at, this is what transforms you. You know, you can come to church once a week and walk away, never really changed. I hope not. I hope that's not the case. But when you meet together with a small group or with another trusted brother or sister and you share your story and you share what God's doing and you're honest and open with one another, that's where transformation really happens. And so I implore you as your pastor to find that person, to find those people and begin meeting together. Do what God is wanting us to do during this time. And that is to enter into transforming community. Transformation happens best in community. In fact, transformation is the goal of community. Transformation into becoming like Christ has been the aim and the responsibility of the church from the very beginning. That's what church is all about. That's what small group is about. In Hebrews 10, it says... Let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return 
is drawing near. You know, there's people that throw this verse out to me and they say, see, we're neglecting ourselves, the assembly of opening the doors and getting together for church. I've just got to say, that's not what that verse was about. This verse was directed to Christians in the church that didn't want to get together for fellowship. They weren't meeting in their small groups. It wasn't directed at an entire church. It was directed at individuals who were withholding themselves from the church. Really, the writer was speaking to their lack of desire. And and maybe you're that person in the church today that has a lack of desire to be in community. Now, I want to say we have no lack of desire here at North County Christ the King. We want community. And many of us long for community. And we know we can't meet together in this building right now, but this is just a building. The building is not the church. You are the church. We can still meet with one another. We can have church at home. You may lack desire or you may think truthfully that you don't need other people. But I want to tell you this today. There are other people who need you. So don't limit your decision to get into community based on what you think you need. Uh, expand it to know that there are other people who need what only you have to offer. But in order to, to, to do this, you've got to change how you think about community. You've got to change how you think about small groups. Paul said in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, this is a principle that can apply to any area of our life that we need to change how we think. And today, that's small groups. Then you will know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So again, this morning, you may not think you need community. And that's the very reason you need community is because you think you don't need it. You're an independent thinker. You're a great Northwesterner. You live on the frontier of the United States of America, right? But the church is designed for people to depend upon one another. It is not designed for us to be independent of one another. And if you're prideful enough to think that you don't need anyone, then at least realize somebody needs you and love somebody enough to give them the benefit of having church with you. Somebody's waiting for your call. Somebody's waiting for your text. Somebody's waiting for you to reach out and say, hey, what are you doing next Sunday? Let's get together and have church. You know, for me, Memorial Day, which I love, means picnic. And I love our picnic tables. I love our set. Our creative team is so so amazing. Put this together for us every week. And for me, picnic also means iced tea. Anybody else? Iced tea drinkers? I love iced tea. Tea is such a big part of community. All over the world, people gather around tea. I mean, I know you guys think you love your coffee here, but I'm telling you, tea has you beat. Hand over fist. All over the world. And in the South, it's sweet tea. You know, if you stop by somebody's front porch, the chances are somebody's going to offer you a glass of cold, sweet tea. Sweet tea for sweet community. So I've got some some nice iced tea here. I'm going to pour myself a little bit here. This is Market Spice. It's my favorite iced tea. I'm going to try real hard not to spill the tea this morning. Uh, So here we are. Uh, Last service, I almost did. I knocked it almost over. There we go. But tea is just a really great sign of community. You know, in India, there are chai wallas on every street corner. Uh, people um, get together over chai all the time. If you've never had chai, you've got to try it. And India is a country that's divided by their classes. 
You know, at the top of the classes, you've got the Brahmins. At the bottom, you've got the untouchables. But all of these people, this entire nation is united through tea. Everybody drinks tea from the richest or the highest caste to the lowest, lowest caste. Tea is what unites India. And in Taiwan, where we lived, tea houses are everywhere. Every street corner has tea houses. Starbucks are very, very seldom seen, but tea houses are. And business is conducted over tea. Deals are closed. Marriages are made. Apologies are given all over a cup of tea. And so tea is a symbol of the transformational community. And just like tea unites a country or tea unites a whole world, there's three things that I want to bring you this morning that in transformational community that bring true heart change. Three things that bring true change in your heart as a follower of Christ. And here they are. They are trust, encouragement, and accountability. And if you've had much school at all, you can tell that smell spells T, right? So let's start with trust for a moment. Let's talk about trust. Why would I ask you as your pastor to be in a small group? Well, because I know that it transforms your trust. In fact, if you're not in a small group, there's a part of your trust muscle that has not yet been developed. It takes trust to enter into community. Why is that? Because we're afraid. We're afraid to enter into community. But trust builds community and community builds trust. And so at some point in your life, at some level, you have to trust that people are going to care about you or that people are going to serve you good tea. That's a great way to think about it. You know, whenever you drink something that's offered to you, like especially if you travel internationally like I do, it involves trust. Uh, Lots of trust. I was in India in January and I was offered tea literally in every place that we visited from uh, the orphanage where the kids were HIV positive. We were offered tea uh, in a leper colony, you know, the outcasts cast the lowest of the low. We were offered tea Uh, in the slum schools. We were offered tea. And whenever you're offered tea and it comes to you on the on the platter, the whole team looks at each other and you can tell what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, I hope they used good water. I hope they didn't get this out of the tap. You know, I hope that they had some bottled water they made this tea with because they know that if you get bad tea, you're going to pay the price. And everybody knows what that price is. But we receive the hospitality. We receive with trust this gift of tea because we know to refuse it would be offensive. And at the very least, we trust God, right? God protect us from getting whatever we could get from this tea. And so it takes trust to enter into community and to receive the gift that somebody wants to share with you. You know, in the leper colony, this is the best that they have to offer is this gift of tea. So it takes trust to enter into community, to meet in somebody's home or to meet in an office or even to meet on Zoom. I know that this is very uncomfortable and awkward for a lot of people. And to be honest, Zoom was awkward for me the first time around. It takes trust to say, I'm going to open up and I'm going to share something of my life. And I'm going to let somebody know me a little deeper than I did before. And I'm going to risk that they're still going to love me and accept me at the end of the day, even though I may share something that is embarrassing or something that I may think they could look down on me about. But that's how we change. That's how we transform. And trust is built in community. That's number one in your notes today. We enter community in order to build trust. The Bible says in Acts 2, in the very first church, that all the believers met together in one place 
and they shared everything they had. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they have. And we hear that word share. We think about money and possessions and that was true. They did do that. And you guys are very good at that. You're very willing and very generous in sharing your possessions and sharing your money with the church. I love your generosity. But sharing goes beyond our possessions and goes beyond our money. In fact, I would say the deeper places of sharing are more difficult for a lot of people than simply writing a check or pushing the button on our webpage. And that's when we begin to share our hearts, our opinions, our thoughts. You know, I'm so grateful. You know, yesterday I wrote this email to the church and I'm so grateful. So many of you give me your you know, agreement, you're affirming emails back, and I love that. I love the affirmation. But some of you share where you disagree, and you share some things that I don't agree with, and I love that you do that. I love that you trust me with your thoughts and with your values and with what your response is to what's going on. Because what that says to me is that you honor me with your trust, and you believe that I'm not going to, you know, discard you or hurt you because you think differently than I do. No. We're united around Christ. There's deeper places that we unite around than those things that we see differently. So I want to thank you for your trust. Thank you for getting back to me with emails that don't always agree with mine. And I'll probably respond. And I might push back a little bit, and that's okay. Because we trust each other, right? So that's the way that works. Trust is one of the greatest gifts we can give somebody. Even greater than money. Trust says... I give you my heart, and I hope that you're going to do good things with my heart. You know, when I get together with my small group on Zoom or when I get together with a brother or somebody, uh, this question is almost always asked, how are you doing? And our standard answer is fine, right? We're all doing fine, but we know that there are deeper places than fine. And if you will just prod a little bit and ask the right question, sometimes somebody will come through and share their hearts. But it takes trust to go deeper. It takes trust to share our struggles, to share our fears, our sins, and our wins. It takes trust to share all those things. But that's what it means to enter into community. And the more you do that, the more you build this muscle we call trust. Trust is built in community. So our trust is transformed as we enter into a trusting community. But then we find, once you get there, you find that you want to stay there. Because now you begin to experience this thing called encouragement. Trust opens you up to receive this thing called encouragement. That's number two in your notes today. We stay in community for encouragement. Now, our worship community has a little gift for you this morning. Uh, They did a lot of work to put this encouragement together for you. So enjoy. Yeah, everybody hurts sometimes, I know that's what they say. But right now it seems this loneliness won't go away. Can anybody feel this heartache? Is anyone around? Feels like we're running round in circles, we can't catch a breath. We can't enjoy the moment when we always want what's next. Just when I can't take no more, it's when I hear you say, Don't hang your head when you get lonely. Can get it right. Yeah, you got my 
There's nowhere I can run, there's nowhere I can hide From the one who gave his life so I could get back mine yeah. So when you can't take no more Look up and hear him say Don't hang your head when you get lonely No, I'll never leave your side And don't go thinking you're the only One that can get it right Yeah, you got my Your grace sustains all of my life. You are the one that I run to. In you I am satisfied. Oh, your mercy is new every morning. Your grace sustains all of my life. You are the one that I run to. In you I am satisfied. Can I get one giant redwood ice cold brew with supreme cream and sugar-free caramel? Don't hang your head when you get lonely. No, I'll never leave your side. And don't go thinking you're the only one that can get it right. Yeah, you got my love, 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 love down in your soul. Yeah, you got my That's so awesome. Thank you, worship team, for all the work. That's the last couple of weeks they were out filming that. And I will give a free cup of coffee to anybody who can guess who was in the dinosaur, okay? I will do that, except, except for the husband. The husband, you can't do it. But you know what? The message of this song is so true. Nobody should be alone. Everybody should experience the community and the encouragement that we have through being with others. And once you've experienced this joy of trusting others with your heart, with your life, once you get over that awkward and uncomfortable place of just doing it, it's so encouraging that you will want to stay. It's encouraging to have people to share my heart with. I don't know what I would do with those people, without those people that I share my heart with and that I receive encouragement with. You know, sometimes I have to pay them to get encouragement, but, you know, I, I get the encouragement at some point. Now, I'm in a couple of small groups, I think three or four small groups, actually, and I was with one of them on Thursday night, and we had a fire, and we had some great food, some great appies, and some good food and drink, and we just spent several hours around a table like this outside, spent several hours just encouraging each other, lifting each other up, and it, midstream, in the middle of this time of just, of just sharing life together, we stopped and we took communion together, and it was a beautiful moment. You know, it was that moment where you go, Jesus, this is why we do what we do. This is why... We can enjoy what we enjoy. It's because of you. It's your presence that unites us together, that brings us together. And it was so good to have that moment of communion in the midst of our time. It was beautiful. And, and, it, and it wasn't awkward. It was like, this, this fits. This is why we are who we are. And, you know, everybody left feeling built up and feeling encouraged that night. And that's exactly what Paul writes about in First Thessalonians 5. He says, encourage each other. Build each other up. How many of you need building up? I know I do. Just as you are already doing, build each other up. 
I have another small group that I'm in, and I've mentioned this one many times over the years. I'm in a Seahawks group. We'll see whether or not there's Hawks this year, right? And we began meeting together, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And so mostly we get together, we just enjoy food and watch the Hawks, watch our kids grow up, and just have fun together. But a few weeks ago, because we couldn't meet in person, we began meeting on Zoom. And I got to tell you, it was a weird and wonderful experience. You know, in the past where our time would have been spent maybe sharing a little bit one-on-one or, you know, enjoying good food and enjoying the fun of the day, now here we were online together, all of us able to see each other, all of us able to hear each other, and talking about the sermon notes and talking about what uh, the pastor, whether it was me or Steve, had preached about. And we went a lot deeper than I think we've ever gone in eight years of small group. I think those two weeks on Zoom have taken us deeper. It's forced everybody to share openly online. And everybody does it just to their comfort level. You know, not everybody's going to go as deep as others. But it's so encouraging, and partly because everybody gets to hear everybody. You know, when we're in the house having lunch and watching the game, it's sort of one-on-one or one-on-two. But here online, it was like, okay, I got to hear this person's heart. I would have never gotten that. So I'm thinking that this online group thing has really given us some benefits that we might not have discovered before. So getting back to T, because I told you that T represents community. You know, T is a huge part of the Asian culture. And I got to experience, when we lived in Taiwan, a lot of tea ceremonies. And it's so cool. This I, I brought my um, tea set with me, and this is what they use. A lot of homes in Taiwan have these. And this is a rinsing station. So this is where they keep their teapots and their teacups. And they will actually rinse them. And then there's a hose that's usually attached to the spigot. I didn't bring that part today. But then they'll run it to a sink or run it outdoors or run it down on the floor out to the street. And so this is the rinsing station. And the tea ceremony in Taiwan or in China can take one to two hours. It's very elaborate. And they use it for ceremony, but they also use it just in common as well. Uh, And what that does is it allows you time. As the tea is prepared, it allows you time for conversation. It allows you time to talk about you know, life with one another, to open your heart if you want to do that. But there's one step that I want to mention because it's such a powerful picture to me of encouragement. Uh, step two is when they you know, boil the water on the stove and the first pot of boiled water goes to rinse and to warm up all the implements. So they'll pour the water into the teapot that they're going to use. They'll pour the water into the teacups that they're going to use. And the purpose this serves is to heat these implements up, to heat up the pot and heat up the cup, because they know that if you pour tea into a cold cup, it will stunt the fragrance. It will stunt uh, the aroma of the tea and the taste of the tea. But if they preheat, if they warm up the pot that they're going to brew in and they warm up the cups that they're going to pour in, that that pre-warming actually releases aroma and releases the flavors of the tea to the full extent. And it so reminds me of encouragement. You know, encouragement does that for us. We go through life sometimes wondering if people care, or we go through life, you know, suffering the the dings of life and the 